good people of Woodland Hills Church. And when I say good people of Woodland Hills Church, I'm referring not just to you Saturday night fine folks, as wonderful as you are, but uh, also to the Sunday morning crowd, because as they're hearing this, as you're hearing this Sunday morning crowd, I'm on a plane going out to Boston. Um, yes, and I also want to include the PCPs, which are the podcast people. Um, they're part of our congregation as well. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, I um, mentioned them in a message or at the beginning of a message, and we all said, welcome to all the PCPs. And I've been deluged with emails of people who have uh, thanked me for including them as part of this congregation. All around the world, there are people who down, several thousand people download these messages. And uh, we just want to say it's a, it's a blessing to bless you, and we're honored that uh, we can be used and have a positive role in your life and pray for us, and you're part of our congregation. Um, I am, for the next three weeks, going to be going out to uh, Boston to a, a theology and science conference uh, where we'll be studying the, they're going to lock about 20 theologians and 20 scientists in a room for three weeks straight, five hours a day, and we're going to be hammering out the theological implications of quantum physics, chaos theory, and relativity theory. And uh, that may sound not so pleasant to you, but to me, this is Disneyland. I'm, I, this is Disney World. I am just so excited about this. I will be flying back to do the sermon next weekend, so don't think that I've abandoned you. But in the meantime, I'm going to be having my little uh, delight at this, uh, at this conference. Uh, to fill in this weekend, uh, we've asked uh, a good friend of ours uh, to come and, and preach the word. And he's even agreed to preach out of Luke, staying in sequence. Uh, you know, God forbid that we'd ever break cadence with the book of Luke. Uh, Terrence Rollerson is uh, a guy that I've known for a long time. Um, uh, he was a student when I first came to Bethel some 20-some years ago. I knew him when he was just a wee little lad. Uh, he was a wonderful student, bright student. He went on and, and was a part of Young Life for a while, and he's pastored several churches. Most recently, he's been a senior pastor at Epworth Methodist Church, which is just down the road. And we've had kind of a relationship with them. Uh, their youth pastor came out of our congregation, and we helped kind of support uh, his ministry there. And so there's been a relationship going on there. Terrence is now feeling led to plant a church here on the east side, around Maryland, and, and Hazelwood, is it, and, and Prosperity, right in that area. It's a lower-income area, a lot of diversity there. He shares all the values of Woodland Hills Church. And so we're looking to forge a relationship here. And we'll be saying more about that in the fall when, when the, the church is, is getting up and going. But uh, for right now, we just ask him to come and, and just share his heart and deliver the word. So would you please give a warm Woodland Hills welcome to Terrence Rollerson. God bless you, man. Only Pastor Greg can go to a conference for three weeks and get his happy on learning about quantum physics. <laughs> right? That's, that's Pastor Greg, Elder, Deacon, Bishop Greg. Lock me up with Rachel Ray for three weeks and learn about cooking, and I'm good to go. <laughs> I have a confession to make to you all that um, as I step up here, I am having a bit of a Hoosiers, Hoosiers moment. Hoosiers, how many of you have seen that movie, Hoosiers? Sometime back, Gene Hackman, right? It's one of my favorite, favorite movies. I love, I love underdog movies. They don't have to be very deep. They don't have to have this major storyline. Just let the little guy kick some backside on the big guy. I'm good to go. 
But in this movie, why I like this movie so much, right? It's a little town in Indiana. And, uh, and, and Gene Hatman comes in to help this basketball program. He's been on the outs and not supposed to be coaching. And um, so he comes to this little school, this little town, and, 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 and ultimately ends up developing this basketball team that goes all the way to state. My favorite scene in the movie is when Gene Hackman is bringing uh, his team into this incredibly big stadium. They're walking around, they're looking. You can almost see the look on their face. We in trouble. We ain't been here before. Well, stepping up here into, into Woodland Hills and into Greg's pulpit is a little like that. But one of my favorite, the piece of the scene that I really like is that Gene Hackman had one of his smaller guys get on the shoulders of one of the bigger guys, and, they, and he had a, um, uh, gave him a tape measure and had him measure from the rim to the floor and then asked him what that measurement was. And what he ultimately ended up telling him was that that is the same distance as the rim to the floor in our gym back in Indiana. That is to say... This may be Woodland Hills. This may be the pulpit of Dr. Reverend Bishop Greg Boyd. But when the word of God goes forth, it doesn't matter where you're at or whose pulpit you're in. Amen. Amen. So our theme for this morning, as Greg said, we're going to have you all continue in the book of Luke with this theme in mind. Yes, I reign! Exclamation point. So let me open us with a word of prayer and then we'll delve into this word. Precious Lord God, we thank you for this day. We acknowledge and give you honor, Lord God, because how majestic you, your name is in all the earth. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your greatness and your grace. As we come to this point, Lord God, in our time of worship and praise of you, as your word is proclaimed, we pray, God, that you will open our spiritual ears so that we might hear and that you will open our spiritual hearts so that we might receive, that we might take what is heard this morning and make it useful in our everyday lives, both corporately and individually. And God, I thank you for yet again an opportunity to proclaim your word. Please empty this vessel named Terence at this very moment and refill it with your Holy Spirit, that I might preach with passion by your authority. Pray this in your precious and heavenly name, let all who agree in the body of Christ say amen. amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the seventh chapter, we're dealing with verses 18 through 35, but I'm going to read them in chunks. Our first chunk is going to be 18 through 20. When you have that page, give me an amen. amen. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you 
the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? When I was on staff for Young Life, there were four C's that we had to do if we were going to do quality ministry. There were four C's that we had to become incredibly competent at if the ministry of young life to young people in the city was going to go forth. Right? They were that we had to do contact work. We had to uh, bring kids to club and take them to camp. And we had to develop a camp painters program, which is their Bible study for kids. And so this morning, I want to give you four C's that you might take on your way. The first C is confusion. See, when Jesus Christ reigns, confusion is cleared. When Jesus is enthroned as king, all confusion is cleared. Let me give you the backdrop here. See, John has been in prison for some months, but he knew what Jesus was doing because his disciples were informing him of all that Jesus was saying and all the actions that Jesus was taking, the healings, the miracles. They were going back to John in prison and saying, John, here is the deal. This is what Jesus is doing. See, now we got to understand a little bit of what John is truly going through. As I said, he was in prison for some time, but he was, pre he was at the end of his rope. He had spent all his time in the wilderness proclaiming, preparing the path for the Messiah, putting out that judgment was going to come forth. And now he's locked up. Can you imagine this man who spent his life free as a bird in the wilderness now is in this cell, held down, pushed down, pressed down, kicked down, tied down. And he hears of Jesus, what he is doing. He's at the end of himself physically, and he's wondering if all that he has gone through and is going through with the, on the arising for him is death. And he's aware because they've been after him for some time and now they got him. So he has his disciples go out and find out what's up. Is, is Jesus the real deal or ought we keep looking? Max Lucado said this of John's situation. John had never known doubt. Hunger, yes. Loneliness, often. But doubt, never. Only raw conviction, ruthless pronouncements, and, and rugged truth. Such was John the Baptist. Conviction, of fear, conviction as fierce as the desert sun. Until now. Now the sun was blocked. Now his courage wanes. Now the clouds come. And now, as he faces death, he doesn't raise a fist of victory. He raises only a question. His final act is not a proclamation of courage, but a, a confession of confusion. Find out if Jesus is the Son of God or not. See, the forerunner of, of the Messiah is afraid of failure. Find out if I've told the truth. 
find out if I've, if I've uh, sent people to the right Messiah. Find out if I've been right or if I have been duped. John was having a time of doubt. And doubt isn't a bad thing. There's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is a matter of the mind. Unbelief is a matter of the will as it connects to our, our obedience to God. Oswald Chambers said, Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking. But where do we find ourselves in this question that John asked? Are you, uh, are, are, are you the one who should be or not? Or ought I find another See, I thought you were going to get me that new house. I've been paying my tithe. I thought that you were going to bring me that healing I've been waiting on. I thought you were going to bring me that husband or that wife. All the while, Jesus is trying to first get us to awaken to the healing that takes place in the soul where spiritual eyes are open. Fur-lined shackles are falling off. Jesus, when Jesus reigns, confusion is cleared. When Jesus reigns, those fur-lined shackles, you know what fur-lined shackles are? They are shackles with fur-lined, but they're so comfortable. We know they're there, but they just, we keep them there because they just feel good. Those shackles need to be broken off as well. John wanted to make sure and bring some clarity. And when Jesus is on the scene, there is always clarity. When Jesus is reigning on the throne of our life, there is always, always, always clarity. We must understand that. Amen? Our second section, let me read that to you. It's verses 21 to 23. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who, who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Our second C word is confirmation. When Jesus reigns, confirmation is made. When Jesus uh, is on the throne when we enthrone Jesus in our lives as king confirmation is made Jesus did not give the two disciples a lecture when they came to ask this question he didn't sit them down and say now let me tell you why I am the the the, uh, the Messiah what Jesus did 
is this. Let me t- tell you, I, I grew up in New York City on the south side of the Bronx. Pretty tough place to grow up. One of the lessons that I learned growing up in New York is I love to play basketball. I thought I had game. Right? The game might be going right now. But I thought I had game when I was growing up. And in New York City, when you go and you are going to the court, you don't go on the court announcing, yo, I'm here. I got game. Watch me play. Let's, I'm going to show you what I can do. You don't go talking that smack. What you got to do is get on the court and show that you've got game. And when you show you got game, then they give you your props. And they step back. And they know what the deal is. And they begin to guard you and treat you a little different because they know that you're not just talking it. They know you do what you can do. This is what Jesus was doing in this text. He didn't sit his disciples, those disciples down and say, let me, let me lay this out for you. Let me give you a three-point sermon over this so you can take back to John. He went about his business doing what he was called to do. What was he called to do? We see that in the, in the book of Luke earlier, right? When he's in the synagogue and he reads from Isaiah that he was anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to give sight, to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set free the captives. He came with his A game. He didn't come to explain his end game. He came with his game. So church, here's what, here's what we need to consider. Are we coming with our A game? Or are we just coming to church? Or are, are, we, are we just saying that we are a follower of Christ? Or are we coming with the game? Because here's what the world is looking at. The world is looking for a church that is willing to stand up and be the church, to speak the truth, to, to proclaim the power of Jesus Christ. That's what the world is looking for. And we spend too much time, oftentimes we spend too much time just trying to let people know we are Christian. See, the world oftentimes think the church, it was supposed to come forth. Because right? this, this is what John's mental picture was, that Jesus was going to ride in on a white horse as, as, as his ultimate soldier and do battle and take care of all those people who were talking smack out the side of their mouth, and he was going to set forth his kingdom with judgment. And Jesus said, no, I'm about dealing with the people person to person. The A game. And we have to understand that as the church of Jesus Christ, we weren't set up so that we can change the political and economic and social uh, stratospheres of the system. What Jesus came was to change us individually. And once we are changed individually, then we can go back and change the systems. See, if you are a doctor, once you come to Christ, you're no longer just a doctor. You are now God's doctor. Amen. If you're a lawyer, you're no longer a lawyer. If you are a carpenter or construction worker, you're no longer those things. You are God's construction worker. So that when you go back into your situations and your networks, you are no longer just being who you are, but you are now working by way of who Jesus is, 
So now you talk different. Now you act different. Now you walk different. Now you speak different. You deliver services different because you belong to God. And that very job that you have is God's job for you. So you have, we have to come with our A game. And when we come with our A game, systems will change. Economics will change, but not by way of because we are the church, but because we are the changed saints of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our third section of scripture. Verses 24 to 30. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the, by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in, in luxury are in king's courts. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he, uh, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among these born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized. Let me take you back to New York. I'm growing up. I'm about 13 years old. I'm a boy. I'm starting to feel it. There was this girl. This girl, man, I thought was fine. <laughs> Her name was Venus. You know the story getting good. Her name was Venus. I gathered up all the strength I could. I had my boy John John with me. Wherever John John went, I went wherever I went. John John went. I don't know why we called him John John. I think he just wanted to make sure we were calling him. <laughs> so John, I said, oh, John, I'm going to go talk to this girl. So I got all my courage up. I stepped to her. You know, it wasn't a simple step. <laughs> I stepped to her. And I came with the game. Say, yo, Venus, I want to get with you. Now, I know some of you moms are just interested in bringing your 13 years old to me so that I can teach them how to talk. <laughs> but I assure you, I got it quite right when I finally met my wife and got married. All right? So I said, yo, uh, yo Venus, what's up? Can, can we do this? Venus looked me dead in my eye. Now, I want you to understand this. Obviously, you know, Venus is an African-American, and, and my, my boy John was an African-American. John was light-skinned. Venus was light-skinned. 
look me dead in my eye. I said, no, I don't want to get with you, but I'll get with John. Because you're too dark. That scarred me for years. Scarred me for years. Why is that so important? Because you need to understand this and hear this clearly. What we think of ourselves and what others think of us is not as important as what God thinks of us. See, when I finally came to Christ and, and, and I came into that relationship with Christ, what I realized is, is that my God had blessed me with a heavenly tan. And it didn't matter, it didn't matter what people thought of me or how dark I was. Now that I was God's, what I knew was if I was going to be a preacher, then I was going to be the biggest, the best, blackest preacher there could be. See, now what I, what I wonder, the question that I want to ask is, see, see, that scarred me so deeply. I'm wondering if there's some people out here who have been scarred in that way or a way like that, where they've made a statement that, that you're too short, you're too tall, you're too wide, you're too narrow, you're too this, you're too that, and you are locked up in those fur-lined shackles because of a word that was spoken. What Jesus was doing was holding up John and saying that this is the best that God made. But even greater than that, those who would think that they are the least in the kingdom will be the greatest. How amazing is that? Because, see, we have a God who don't, he does not make any junk. None. Zero. Zilch. Empty set. Nothing. No thing. All is good in Christ. We must understand this. That we don't bow to the world and what the world thinks of us. We bow to our Lord, our Master, Jesus Christ. And because our God so loved us and sent his son to die on a cross for us, that makes us the stuff. And wherever we go, before whomever we go, we bring the best that God has to offer so if you think that you don't have enough gifts to do something for God, I am here to tell you that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Do I need to say it again? A lie from the pit of hell. Because what God desires is to use you how he has equipped you so that his glory would come forth and people would see his promise, his power, operating and people will be drawn unto him see john came to prepare a way for the messiah and i'm wondering church if you realize that you have been prepared to prepare the way for the messiah maybe it's on your job maybe it's in your home Maybe it's out at Cub while you're standing in the line and the person behind you needs a word. You have been prepared. And it's time for the church, the body of Jesus Christ, to stand up 
and be the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. By the way, Venus broke up with John John too. Let me read this last section. Verses uh, 31 to 35. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We play the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he was a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Our last C word is condemnation. Jesus compared the generations to the people, uh, generation of the people to uh, be like they were childish, not childlike. They were childish. See, what I want you to understand is when Jesus reigns, religious condemnation will stand. When Jesus is enthroned as king, religious condemnation will stand. See, this isn't, see, what Jesus was doing, he wasn't coming to set up, right? He didn't come to remodel the temple. He came to remodel folks, Right? Do y'all catch that? He didn't come to set up the right church. He came to set up the right people. So what we need to understand is that when Jesus reigns, when we enthrone Jesus on our finances, on our homes, over our children, over our jobs, confusion is cleared. Confirmation is made. Com, uh, uh, what was my third C? Uh, uh, com- commendation is made. And condemnation as it relates to us thinking that we are in a religion stands. What Jesus is after are changed people by the grace of God who takes the message of the good news of the gospel to other people who need the same changing and deliver that good news. It takes us to 2 Corinthians 3.17 where it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so I have the saying that those of us who have been liberated in the name of Jesus Christ, we ought to bring liberation to people. Amen? There can, there can be no greater mission statement for the body of Christ. If you got touched 
by Jesus, take that touch to somebody else so that they can be touched as well. Did I break that down to shoot top level enough? So what you have to understand is that you need to check yourself. Are you bringing your A game? Or are you riding the wave? Because we really need to be the church. We need to bring our A game. We need to live out the very ministry that Jesus Christ said was his. What was his ministry? Well, if you read in Isaiah 61, the first two, well, let's, let's go ahead and read that. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, says this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Put your name in there. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon Terrence. Because the Lord has anointed Terrence to bring the good news to the poor. He has set Terrence to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and, to, and, and, and the opening of prison doors for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. You want your marching orders? It's right here. Right here. The same thing Jesus read in the synagogue on the scroll is the same task, the same call that he has for you and I to go forth into all the world and deliver the good news of Jesus Christ. And deliver the good news of Jesus Christ. My time is coming short. I want you to know, church, that when Jesus reigns, when we enthrone him, when we enthrone him, we can be set free and sent forth in power and authority. In power and authority. So I have a question. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come out if they're available to come and pray for folks. And there's a couple questions that I want to ask that as they come, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's some individuals who, who were wounded sometime, someplace along the line. It can go as far back as the fourth grade. <laughs> Somebody said something or did an action towards you that wounded you and shackled you up. It is time for you to be released from those shackles. And if you're ready, I want you to come and allow somebody to pray for you, for your release from those fur-lined shackles. Won't you come? There may be some other folks here who have never truly entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've entered into a religion but not into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our prayers are available to pray for you as well. And as you come, I'm going to pray for you as well and, and give a benediction to send you off. 
But don't pass up this opportunity. Too many times you hear the panging. You hear the panging of God speaking to your heart that there is some business that you need to deal with. Don't let the distance in the back of the room keep you from coming and getting prayer, getting touched. So come on forward and I'll close us in prayer and give us a benediction. Lord God, Father God, we thank you. We adore your heavenly name. How majestic your name is in all the earth, Lord. Father God, we indeed, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this very moment. We thank you, Father God, for this word that has gone forth. God, may you make it usable for us in both our public and our private lives. We thank you that you are a God not only of promise, but you are a God who fulfills his promise. We give you praise that you are a God who can touch those very deep places where there is hurt that we think is gone, but it remains and it holds us in bondage. We thank you that you are a God who desires to release his people who have been held in captivity. We thank you, God. We give you praise. Let, let our praise forever be on our lips, not only in this very moment, but let it be on our lips on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so that wherever we go, before whomever we go, we will stand as a living testimony to who you are. Now, may the grace and mercy of our God in heaven be with you. May the authority and power of Jesus Christ anoint you. And may you live in the power and authority of the Holy Spirit as you move from this place. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, our Master, and my hero, Jesus the Christ. Let all who agree say amen. Amen. amen.